Hello and welcome to episode 34 of the Massive Attack podcast. I'm your host for the evening, Mitch, and with me as always is Joe. Hello, Hello Mitch, Joe. How are you? I'm oh, so enthusiastic. <laughs> I was being super enthusiastic and you're like, oh. Don't do it again. No, no, fuck it. Look, we're going. <laughs> I'll keep the tone up. You can go. Anyway. So, yes, welcome back. I can't remember what we talked about last month. But last month we talked about 70s rock operas. Oh, that's right. That was cool. Yeah. Oh, cool. We didn't do that this month. No. No, we talked about vampire films. We'll, well we haven't talked though. about it, but we'll get there. But first, let's start with gaming, shall we? Have you been gaming? I've been doing a little bit of gaming. A little I've bit? I've decided... Well, we'll get to that. <laughs> I've decided that I should go through and play some of the freebie games that I've been getting for Games for Gold and make the most of it. You so don't want to waste that money. Well, I don't want to waste the space on the hard drive is the problem. Oh, fair enough. I have all this stuff on my hard drive clogging up and it's kind of like, well, let's delete this one I haven't started yet so I can download this month's sort of thing. But yeah, I went back and I played Dishonored, mm-hmm. which was, I think, a couple of months ago that that was the freebie. And I'm enjoying it. I'm, I'm probably near the end. I think I've got one more mission to go before so I actually finish. First person, third person? It's a first person stealth-based shooter. I'm not very good at the stealth stuff. Steampunk? Yeah, kind of. It's kind of set in, I think it's Victorian London and it's... It's got very much steampunky elements and it's got a bit of supernatural sort of side to it where you've got powers you can do where you can stop time or you can do like blinks in time where you can pretty much zap from one place to another. But yeah, it's it's kind of funky. The mechanics are good. As I said, I'm no good at the stealth side of things. I remember reviews at the time. You can play stealth or you can play all out attack. Can you? you can, you and there's achievements you can get for going through the whole game without actually killing people because you can do stealth takedowns where you can come up behind someone and you can take them down non-lethally. But I've just been trying that and failing miserably and ending up shooting people and stabbing them and stuff instead. And yeah, as I said, I'm, I'm kind of digging it. Um, I started it last week and I've had three or four big couple of hour sessions to get through a couple of levels and yeah, it's fun and it was free which is good it, the graphics are quite good it came out in 2012 so it's still fairly recent, fairly recent. it's from Bethesda who've done quite a few things I think Fallout's probably the big one that most people think of with Bethesda but yeah it, it's good and I haven't really been playing it with the volume turned up that much because I've been playing it late at night when the kids are in bed but it's got a lot of big name voice actors in uh, Lena Headley who's in Game, Game of, of Thrones, Thrones and Michael Madsen who's, in, who's everything. in everything Carrie Fisher does the voice of someone in it so yeah they've got, spent some money on it and they've got some some big names good graphics the storylines engrossing enough so yeah I'm, I'm enjoying that other than that i've played a little bit of the teenage mutant ninja turtles out of the shadows game that i picked up on sale earlier this year i think it was that was one of the, um, oh, the summer of arcade titles that's last a third year person beat em up you sort of no. yeah it's again there's stealth elements to that too it's it's very much a squad based beat em up because you can switch between the turtles and do you know various double team moves and stuff like that and it's kind of rpg building a little bit because you get experience as you go along and you can use that to upgrade your weapons and your skills and stuff but i played through the first chapter of that and quite liked it and then i tried the second chapter and it froze on me just after getting into the second chapter so i thought all right i'll, I'll reset everything because it was a, a hard freeze i had to you know go and turn the xbox off on the front rather than trying to do it with the controller. And, yeah, I, I rebooted it, thought, all right, I'll give it one more go, and it froze again in exactly the same spot. So I don't know if it's something with the game or something the way I'm playing the game, but 
as a, yeah. Oh, fuck that guy. Well, pretty much that's what I said. I thought, well, it's frozen on me twice. I'm not bothered to go back again. I'm giving it the flick. Mm-hmm. So, yes, that's my Xbox gaming. Mm-hmm. We'll probably jump into your Xbox gaming and then I'll talk about my other gaming. Okay. I think I talked about Binary Domain you did, last yes. time and I think I was close to the end then. I finished it. It was fine. Did I mention I got Disney Infinity 2 last yes, time? Yes, we talked a little bit about it. Excellent. Well, we finished the Avengers part of that. Okay. It wasn't very big, really. I mean, it's fine. Yeah, but, I mean, it could be huge. If I go into the creator-owned bit and go and make my own games, it could be massive, but I haven't bothered doing that. Is it basically a, you go and buy more figures and then you can do it again differently, kind of like the Lego games work with no, the free play really. and stuff? Or is it all no. just straight No, the story? missions are done, so okay. I could put more figures on, but that's it. I mean, I can go online and other people have created levels. Okay. using the creator and I can go on to the community and the editor's choice and the top 10 editor's choice and I could go play the levels that the editors have found that people have made and they're the best ones or the most popular and okay. things like that so I'm or, sure people have made Mario or you levels. could build your own levels I could do that I but you're not fucked. that way inclined God no, no. no. I, I know back in the days when you could have like level editors in certain games like I know the old Warcraft game when I used to play that I used to play a lot more of my own created levels than I did the, the real levels yeah so I mean that that's a massive element to the game yeah which I don't want to play yeah but you never made your own tracks on trials then, no. Did you? no see I got stuck into that as well yeah well not interesting anyway, that's the difference yeah. between us isn't it yeah so uh, we've got the gameplay for the Guardians of the Galaxy one which opens up a whole new storyline and that with the new figures so we so, haven't touched that yet and you said you bought a second Guardians of the Galaxy you've got Groot and who else have you got Star-Lord oh well, Star-Lord and Gamora come with the yep. Guardians game and we bought Groot to bought Groot yes so, so that's what you need really so. pretty much and Iron Man can play in that game anyway yep as an extra so we got plenty okay so I did that I bought a game I bought the demo I think I spoke about it months ago called Loco Cycle yeah we did mention the demo so then I thought fuck it I got money sitting there I got credit sitting on this thing I'm gonna buy a stupid racing game and I did and it's fun like I can't remember what I mentioned last time but essentially it's 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 got some live action video in there and it's got um, the guy from Lloyd Kaufman from Troma Movies it's got James Gunn director of Guardians of the Galaxy acting in this bit and then it cuts to the computer game element and what it is essentially is it's a very 80s trope of a sentient vehicle like Knight Rider or whatever but it's essentially a very smart motorbike that was going to be sold to a bunch of arms dealers and it gets struck by lightning and becomes sentient becomes alive and it wants to go to like Sturgis the equivalent so it goes off and there happens to be a mechanic working on it called Pablo working on the bike at the time and he gets his foot stuck in the wheel and he gets dragged along as she's trying to get to Sturgis she it's Isis or it's a, it's a motorbike with a character and she's just talking the whole time he's just yelling in Mexican with subtitles down the bottom or not Mexican Spanish, Spanish. <laughs> down the bottom just about you know just kill me now or save my life and all this sort of stuff and she's just m- misinterpreting everything he's saying and just having these weird random conversations with him and what you do is you, you control the bike it's on you know typical bike controls you know driving left to right that you don't really accelerate like it, it decelerates on its own, yeah. but you have combat in the bike, and what what it does is it will jump in the air and you can spin around, and you use Pablo, who's attached to you, as a weapon, and you can hit other bikes or hover people chasing you down. You can hit them, or you can throw Pablo like a boomerang, and he'll th- go out and hit 
like people in hover little jetpacks and can come back to you and things like that so but there's a few different elements you might get some side action where you look at the bike from the side and you're shooting missiles across a a way it's made by twisted pixel who did explosion man and um the more the more i think so you if you know their work you know they've got a sense of humor yeah because when you mentioned it to me i thought well it sounds kind of good but i don't know how much they could get out of it and the game i would think would get quite boring if it's just the same thing well they mix it up a bit there's different elements like that you go through like you throw Pablo at one point and you follow him and then there's a bunch of people hovered up so you control him as he's flying through the air and hit that so they they don't dwell on things for too long you've got an evil sentient motorbike that comes after you called Spike and it's voiced by Robert Patrick and the thing that makes it funny and keeps going is all the dialogue that's been written and she goes and he ends up he ends up grabbing a old fat old lady as it, as it, and drags her along behind him <laughs> and um, they jump into a helicopter at one point and he flies a helicopter and tries to kill you with it and she goes oh how are we going to kill him oh that's right Pablo freezing him in liquid nitrogen and, and blowing him up that's a smart way of doing it so I was like there's all these little nods to pop culture pop culture and there's like he's in the helicopter one bit and he crashes and she goes oh, Edward would not be impressed with that <laughs> so it's great for that so there's a lot going on it's obviously made for my generation of people to get all these sort of jokes it's fun. Did James Gunn have anything to do with the writing of it? I don't he just think so, because he wrote Lollipop Chainsaw. I yep. know that, but I don't think he wrote this. Okay. But he's just Because, yeah, it sounds like it. his sort of humour. It could be, but yes. Okay. I haven't finished it, but yeah, I've been away last week, so I haven't got a chance to get back to it, but okay. that's pretty much it when it comes to the old Xbox. But that Spellbinder that I've been playing is uh, definitely still taking, taking up a bit time. of time. Yes. Well, speaking of taking up a bit of time, I decided that I'd done my... F- with Minecraft because I've realised I haven't been back to it and I haven't been missing it but I thought maybe I kind of need something as you said last week just something little on the iPad that you can pick up and play every now and then Mm -hmm. and a lot of podcasts that I listen to quite regularly mainly the No Quarters guys who are also the bad movie fiends they talked it up and Giant Bomb also mentioned it, but I've succumbed to WWE Supercard on the iPad. Yes. (laughs) Basically, it's just trump cards Mm -hmm. with a wrestling kind of spin on it. Each character has their own scores for power and charisma and speed and toughness, I think is the other one. And basically, the match comes up and says, it's you versus this person, who I think is another real person's deck, but you're not actually playing live online with them. But it's like, yeah, this match is going to be a charisma match. So you pick your best card with charisma, and they pick their best card, and whoever's got the highest number wins. Yeah, so you, uh, as opposed to the way I used to play trumps, I had one set of trump cards when I was younger. It was aeroplanes. <laughs> and you basically pretty much split the deck in half, I think, and you, you played trumps, and you get kept trumping each other going oh speed or altitude or whatever and then when you had the other person's deck when you had a full deck and the other person had none that's how i used to play trumps but this is more i think that's how you how you do play like real trump cards but But this is this works as you put your best deck of five cards together yep and every time you you have a tournament or a competition against another player and if you win you get two more two cards. picks from the deck and if you lose you get one so yep. you're always going to get a card to add to your deck and at the start you're getting a lot of shitty cards basically yeah, just basically and they start off with common yeah common uncommon, uncommon rare super rare ultra rare and, that goes and that's as high as i've got now but there's legendary and epic above that as well and you you can level up your cards by feeding yeah. lower cards to another card if you like a card a lot you can feed lower cards to it yep. or even higher cards if you want but that would be stupid yeah and um, you can also upgrade your cards 
if you get two of the exact same cards you can combine them to make a pro card which gives you like a little extra boost as well so my deck at the moment i've got three ultra rares and two pro super rares that i'm running at the moment and they also have like a king of the ring tournament with a set and forget you leave your cards in the deck there and you win quite good cards when you win the king of the ring so that's where i got my first set of ultra rares from but it's funny i found myself getting excited for this card game and it gives you like these little animations of the cards like walking down to the ring and then they get in the ring and they sort of do a wrestling move on each other and tell you who won but i found myself like double tapping the screen to fast forward through that bit just so i can pick extra cards and try and like get my deck to be better yep so it's about if you go tapping quickly you can play a a game essentially in what 30 seconds yeah a couple of minutes I mean, I played like 20 decks because you said you're playing it and it's awesome. So I was all right. So I downloaded it and played about 20 games. It's It's like, yeah, whatever. Okay, this is fine. And then went to your place and you'd played a couple of hundred games by this point. Yeah, I think I'm about 2,700 matches now. Yeah, well, I I was at your place, so I I played a bit more. So I played about 30 or 40 games while we were watching one of our movies we'll talk about later. And you played an equally amount, but I'd never touched it again from the week between that and then the next week I went to your place. And then I played about another 40 or 50 games there. So I'm not as addicted as you, obviously. I don't care except whatever your place. (laughs) It's funny because it's one of those games where I'll just be sitting on the couch watching TV, the kids are watching their kids shows and I'll be just like, you know, tapping away playing and then they'll come and sit next to me and be like oh, what are you playing, what are you playing and I'll sort of show them and then when I win they're like, oh, can I pick your cards for the winning and, you know, the kids know pretty much nothing about wrestling and that's probably the way my wife likes it at the moment but I'm like, I'll, I'll get the cards and I'll be like, oh, you can pick and I'll get, you know, I've got the two boys and one, ca- one boy picks one card and one boy picks the other card and they get so excited just for these cards coming up and the names of the people on these cards and they have no idea who these people are. So they're really excited about Kofi Kingston. Yeah, exactly. And my seven-year-old will sit there and go, oh, he sounds like a crazy American dude. And I'm like, well, most of them are. <laughs> and then like, I got a super rare Rey Mysterio and they were quite excited about that because the photos got him with his mask on and stuff. And they're like, oh, that's really cool, Dad. And I'm like, mm, yeah, not really. <laughs> But the the trouble is, the first set of ultra rares I got were someone crappy, I think. And it's kind of like, well, I'm excited I've got an ultra rare card, but now it's... Well, that's the thing. I'd love to be able to get a card that I like and then level that up to a big level, but it doesn't work that way. I've got to play 2,000 cards to get a Stardust and a Goldust that I really want to play with. I'm like, "Mm." so, yeah, I'm not getting enough out of the game to go back often enough. Like, and I don't see the reward being there enough. Like, if, if I don't know, maybe, I don't play Diablo, but at least with Borderlands or something, you level up a lot. And as you level up, everything gets better. Where I could play this for a week and still not get any good cards. Well, the deal is you do level up as you go along. And then your chance of getting better cards when you pick up after winning increases. So the higher you get, the better the cards are. But yeah, you still have to wade through a lot of shit to get good cards. And the thing is, you'll get a a good card. And when you're on like a rare level, you might have a really good rare card. But then by the time you get to where I am now at ultra rare, the, the rare card's useless. It's like losing every match. And I'm losing to people that I shouldn't be losing to, like Alberto Del Rio. Yeah, so um, and that was the other weird thing as well. It's like, hey, hang on, how does you know this character lose to this character? It doesn't work, yeah, but it's, it's just numbers it's on a card. And rarity yeah. of the cards. Like, yeah. I've got a, an ultra-rare Daniel Bryant who's got like 270 speed or something like that, but then I was playing today and I lost to someone who had an ultra-rare Andre the Giant who had like 300 and something speed. And it's like, well, I'm sure he doesn't. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so that's the other thing that's of whack to me because with my trumps and the aeroplane that's the only concept I had before that this aeroplane trumps game I had 
you know, this plane was quicker than this plane. Yeah. That didn't change. No. That was always exactly. going to be the quicker thing. But this, you go from a common Ray Mysterio car to an uncommon radio Ray Mysterio yeah. car. And, and he's got you go a 30 have, yeah, exactly. quick, quicker speed. And then you get to this legendary Ray Mysterio who's got like a five times as much. Yeah. Doesn't make sense. No. So, and, and, and I mean, it's fun, but yeah, it, it's not drawn me in, obviously, the way it has you. Yeah. And I, I think I have a problem with microtransactions in games <laughs> because, you know, I was, I've been playing, I'd played like 2,000 games games and I thought no I'm not going to buy any cards I'm not going to buy any cards because it gives you the option to like you know buy extra cards and I picked up an ultra rare card in a king of the ring tournament and I thought no I'm I'm not happy with this ultra rare card I'm going to buy a pack and one of the packs is like 500 credits or something like that which worked out to be about five dollars i think it was five dollars 31 and i thought yep i'm gonna buy this and it's like you get five cards with the chance of getting an ultra rare and i got like four shitty cards and then i got an ultra rare diva card but you only can have one diva per deck and i've always already got a pretty good diva and i'm like oh now i've done this i didn't really like the cards that i spent my five bucks on but yeah i'm surprised they didn't actually suck you in by first purchase they'll give you two ultra rares or something to go oh this is really good i'll buy another deck to get it and then just give you shittier cards the more you buy they probably would i don't know i'm not going to go to it but you can see when you play against people they have their champion card is the picture that you have next to your name and obviously some people pick their favorite card or some people pick their best card but some people you can see that they've got legendary cards and they've only had like two or three hundred matches so it's like oh they've gone out and bought that legendary card sort of thing so it's it's really luck of the draw because you don't know who you're going to get everything's random so yeah you might pay your money to get a legendary card and you might get you know legendary coffee kingston but yeah I, I don't know it's it sucked me in and i can't see myself stopping in the near future <laughs> but i don't think i'm gonna spend any more money on it. but that being said we'll talk about it next month and i'm sure maybe well with my spell fall it's um <laughs> there's you can i talked about it last month how you, there's a 91 dollars purchase for a sword you can get it for free if you play every day for a month like every day you log in to play a game you can you collect a bonus for the yeah. day. So one, someday it's gold, someday it's XP, someday it's charge all your batteries. And when you get to the end of 30 days, you get a big fuck-off sword, which is one of these $91 yeah, swords. Yeah, that's kind of like how Angry Birds Epic works. You get like a daily challenge where every time you win, you get gold. And if you do it every day in a row, by the time you get to seven days, it's like seven times the gold you would have got on the first day. And then you can use that gold to like roll the like random thing that you get like extra weaponry this is really good because i mean i got just for playing 31 days straight i got the 91 dollar purchase so if anyone's buying these things they're fucking stupid (laughs) but you know you can get it for free if you play every day and it's a good way to make you play because i felt so shitty because i'm playing it on my phone and my ipad and I missed my iPad one day. Like, I didn't get a chance to play it because we were away. And it's like, oh, fuck. So I went back and I saw I had to start again for the month. It's like, oh, damn it. Yeah, that, that was a bit like me with Angry Birds. I remember we went away with a, a place where I had no internet. And I was like, how am I going to do my daily challenge? <laughs> I don't have internet. So it's, it's funny how little basic games... Good game tablets. design. It makes you go back every day. Go, exactly. oh, I'll just have one game just to get my thing for the day and then yeah. be done with it but yeah so yeah, yeah but Supercard like I'll probably play it when I come into your place next but I don't play it in between because I got Spellfall mm. well it is a good game just to have there because you don't need to concentrate very much you just have your deck because I do have matches. the Transformers sort of thing see I think the Transformers but is quite similar I would it? like it but it's nowhere near as simple no. and I don't know what to, I'm doing 
like I've won things like oh congratulations you won it's like I don't know what I did so you have cards and I'd love just a, a Transformers Trumps would be fucking awesome but there's a Transformers yeah. card game but I'm not quite sure how it works I think they've tried too hard to do something with it when just Trumps is enough yeah Trumps is good yeah. well apparently it's based on some NBA game and they've just reskinned it to be wrestling okay so yeah that works it's funny though because as I said, I've been playing it my kids like it and I went on the app store to see if there was any other Trumps based games but there's there's nothing out there I'm sure really. there is I don't know maybe maybe they don't call them Trumps maybe Americans call it something else because yeah, Trumps English, is a very English thing yeah and Top Trumps was the ones we had when we because I know on the DS there was a Doctor Who Trumps okay <clears throat> well maybe, maybe it's there but yeah I, I typed in Trumps on the app store and all I got was like like gambling type Trumps yeah, casino okay. type games and stuff that's but, not cool yeah but, well, yeah, that's, a, that's enough gaming. Well, well, the joy is that it is something you can play while you're watching something on TV. So it's probably a good segue to jump into our TV. TV. So what have you been watching? I've been catching up on a few things that have started up again. The new season of Amazing Race is on in the States. So I've been watching that a little bit. They have Robbie E and Brooke Adams, I think her name is, from TNA Wrestling, one of the couples that are on it this year. And it's quite interesting watching them because they're both dumber than a bag of rocks oh okay they went to uh, i think it was sweden and denmark they went to this week and they had no idea about you know local geography and they were being idiots and just typical americans it, it's weird though amazing race like i mentioned this i think last year when i was watching the other season they just come across as being so arrogant americans when they're overseas it's kind of like you know they, they get offended because the people in other countries don't speak english when they're asking for directions and that you know you're a guest in their country respect them sort of thing don't you know think of them as being idiots because they're not doing what you want them to do yeah it's weird i've watched i think this is the 24th season of amazing race and i think i've watched all of them and a lot of the people that are on there now have watched previous seasons of the amazing race and they're all like you know they did this sort of challenge in this season so i'm prepared for it but you still get people that you know don't know how to drive a manual car and they get in there and they're like oh oh, i can't drive a stick sort of thing and you think if you've watched this much and you know you're going to go on there you'd be a bit more prepared for it you know maybe learn another language bone up on your on your geography that sort of stuff but no i mean i am i've got a sense of i don't know some sort of doubt i mean the whole shows will work any reality shows will work so for good television they want people who can't drive stick or yeah they'll make challenges to that so i don't know how much as a producer saying oh look can you pretend you don't know or we'll put you in this position not that one yeah what because you know how some of the challenges you know one person has to do it it's like why the person with who's afraid of heights they're the one who has to do the abseiling yeah and and they do those talking head sort of sections afterwards but they kind of make it look like they're in the moment and they're saying oh this is what i did here i mean and 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 out of all the reality shows amazing race is one that i did enjoy i haven't watched it for years but it's one of the ones that i like because it's not manipulated as far as one contestant screwing another one over they can with the roadblocks and things like that but nowhere near not like some of the other shows that are out there yeah when i realized there was one of the final stages they they were showing it was neck and neck between these two who were going to get their last but then you realize one was an hour and a half before the other it's just the way they edited it yeah exactly you didn't know how close they were together sometimes it gives it away though because one team will be running and it's like you know broad daylight the other team will be running and it's dusk Mm. and you're like yeah they're not yeah so i mean as far as that goes it's all manipulation it's like no i'm not gonna let you play me like that so i just haven't gone back 
and you can tell it's work because there's always like the heel team that you you have to hate even though they're winning so get a hump get a hump yeah, Terry exactly yeah and it's like yeah and when they do something wrong and they come in lower down the pack you're like yeah serves you right for being an ass sort of thing oh, but, you're not evicted this round ah oh. but I I know when Pendulette was on Celebrity Apprentice I was listening to his podcast and he was sort of doing a, a bit of a synopsis of how things work and he was saying they will film like a day's worth of of tv and then when the producer goes back and watches it that's when they bring them back into the studio and do the talking heads bit and and they have to say all right pretend you're in the moment talk i don't know my tenses aren't very good whether it's first person third person or whatever but it's talk as if you're here now doing it even though it's hours down the track and you know the outcome even border security which is a reality show but it's not a game show my sister was on it because she works for the government and she she wasn't on the she was getting evicted no she wasn't (laughs) and they filmed her and i asked her how they film it's like you forget they're there when yeah. you're in the moment because you're doing your job and then she had to do the talking head bit to camera yeah. and they said okay so what happened she went through the process of what they were doing and they go perfect just say that again down the camera and she goes I forget what I just said you know? <laughs> I mean and that's the producer's role in these shows is to get those sort of reactions out of people so I mean as far as that goes I know it's not real as far as that and everything and, and it is one of the better shows but I just yeah. haven't bought myself to watch it but you like I watch go out lot, and look for it I watch know, like, a lot of shitty reality TV shows <laughs> and the, the flip side to Amazing Race being really good we were looking for something to watch last week and my wife was like oh there's a cooking show called Snack Off that was on the on demand on Foxtel and we're going through it and she's like oh it's only 20 minutes how bad can it be sort of thing and I was like well it's an MTV reality show it's probably probably going to be pretty bad and it was a lot worse than what i thought it would be it's hosted by eddie wong who i think is a, a youtube celebrity like the name ring a bell but mm. he was just annoying as fuck and the premise is three college contestants in america making kind of like iron chef type meals where they have to concoct a meal with items that they have in their pantry and the one we watched the other day was breakfast cereal so they had to make a snack at a breakfast cereal uh, but the deal was it wasn't like a proper cooking show where you had a full kitchen to work from it was like you were in a dorm room in, in a university and all you had was a kettle and a toaster so the sort of thing audience for this was college kids well it's, it's on MTV so it is yeah. basically college kids and one of the judges was some you know hip new chef and one of the other judges was allegedly a stand up comedian who I'd nef- never heard of and he was the most unfunny person I've ever seen but the girl that we were watching she made French toast crusted with Fruit Loops or something as her cereal and it just didn't look edible and after we watched it we were like yeah well we're not going to bother watching that again not your demographic no now speaking of MTV shows do you remember Remote Control yes on MTV I used to think that was the best thing I used to look forward to watching that I reckon if I went back now I would just it would be such a douche canoe I would hate every moment of it I'm sure it would like, I'm sure that there'd be the whoop, 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 and all this sort of shit. It would be that Arsenio era. Yeah. And, and Studs. Of, did you watch Studs? Oh, Studs was the worst. <laughs> yes, I did watch it. But going, thinking back now, it was just so wrong. Hmm. Well, speaking of MTV and game shows, it's another thing I've just started watching. Foxtel over here has just started At Midnight, the Chris Hardwick show. Oh, you showed me an episode yeah. last week. And, yeah, oh, I, I watched a couple of episodes of that, but I don't know if I'll keep that up either. Yeah. It's just typical Chris Hardwick trying too hard. And despite the fact that the couple of episodes I've watched had comedians that I quite like on it, they just, yeah, come across unlikable. It's just a format. It's give them... Essentially, it's here's a funny sort of question. You come up with the funniest answer. It's a game show with three contestants. Yeah, it's kind of like... QI. QI or Good News Week and that sort of stuff. But it's it's all internet-based being the fact that it's Hardwick. So it's all 
you know, this story was on this Reddit and this story mm-hmm. was there, yeah, this clip was on YouTube, come up with jokes sort of thing. And it's just, yeah, sort of one-upping comedians and yeah. it's just well, not that good. I watched, I watched one episode with Doug Benson on and I quite like Doug Benson, but yeah, I didn't really like his episode. And then we watched the Tom Lennon one together and he was funny, but the other people that he was on with just weren't very good, which doesn't really help. But yeah, I don't know. I watched a week's worth of that on Foxtel and then thought, yeah, five episodes is probably enough. I won't bother keep taping that. But another new show on Foxtel that I have watched a couple of episodes in and I'm not sure if you've watched any of it yet which is the new cartoon Star Wars Rebels I watched the first episode when it was first on because I thought yeah my son's into Lego maybe he'll upgrade from the Lego Star Wars movies that we watched to watching a bit of this and then we can kind of backtrack it into watching the real movie and we kind of enjoyed the first episode I think the fact that it was a double episode that first one was like 45 minutes long kind of lost his attention span a little bit Mm -hmm. but the second episode he enjoyed a bit better because R2-D2 and C-3PO were in it so there was characters he knew but I don't know it's I don't think it's aimed at his age. I think it's more of a an older kids show because there is a little bit of violence in it. The episode we were watching last week, you know, stormtroopers were getting shot, and I don't think that's probably the right age group for a seven year old to be watching. I watched Star Wars. Like, I, yeah, exactly. I watched <laughs> I watched Star Wars when I was six and a half, seven. So don't know why he doesn't like it. I mean, I watched the first episode, and I will watch more. I just haven't got around to it. But yeah. um, I love Aladdin. I thought it was great. <laughs> It's kind of good, and I can see where they're going with it. It's set sort of in between... It's five years before yeah, A New Hope, I think. Yeah, it's sort of set just after the prequels and before A New Hope when the Jedis are kind of being eradicated and... Or are they? Oh, yeah. yeah. And, yeah, it's... I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to stick with it. I didn't stick with Clone Wars at the start. I watched the first one, I'm like, eh... But then I heard it got really good. When it first started, when it was like little two-minute episodes, or when it started... No, the not the 3D series. one, not the... Yeah. yeah. I quite like those two little Yeah, they're really good. Episodes. But yeah, the, the, the CG one, which fresh on my other podcast, swears by. And it's like, oh, I could get into it, but it would go off on different things. But it was all the Clone Wars stuff, so it was all prequel bits. But apparently it was so much better than the prequels were. It was yeah. really good if yeah, you exactly. got into it. But it had a problem where sometimes you'd follow R2 and C3 or sometimes you'd follow the clone troopers or sometimes you'd follow Obi-Wan and Anakin. Yeah. And you'd get into one story and then the next episode all of a sudden it's about this other character and, oh, but I was into this one. And yeah. you sort of and some were more kiddie than others. So I guess they're tailoring to their audience by giving a kid episode or a funny episode or a serious episode. And you jump around a bit and Darth Maul turns up again. Apparently it was really, really good. I just... I haven't got the time to go back and find yeah. it, but it was really good. So this one I'll stick with. I'll give it a bit more than I gave the original one. And the fact that it's closer to the New Hope universe as opposed yeah, to the Phantom exactly. Menace one, I'm more inclined to sort of get into it. And the fact that it's all working together with the new, the sequels that are coming out next yeah. year. It's all, not whether yeah. they're going to bring anything together, I don't know, because they've got those three movies in between. Yeah. But it's still, it's all in a universe together. Like they're, they're working in synergy and that sort of stuff. So. Yeah. And um, it's probably a damn sight better than the cartoons we've got when we were kids with like well, the droids, droids and the Ewoks. Oh, come on. Yes, probably. <laughs> yes. Well, so, that, that, yeah. that's kind of my TV watching. Have you been watching anything, Mitch? I noticed you put a few things... I, I, I did. Um, as I said, I was away for the weekend, and I have a newborn, so this was my first holiday with a newborn. So it's sort of like, you can't just put him up to bed and then go out for the night. No. Or when you're in a hotel room, there is no other room to put him in to close the door and watch telly and things like that. So it's like, when it came to choosing hotels, it had to be free Wi-Fi. 
Very important. <laughs> so free Wi-Fi, iPad and headphones means I can watch things still. That was the plan. And we were in Sydney and Monday we went to the Taronga Park Zoo. And for some reason, which obviously I went to the zoo, it made me nostalgic for the old Australian TV show called The Zoo Family. So which you put this on the run sheet and I had no idea what The Zoo Family was. You don't know? No. Uh, maybe you were in Wales at the time, but it was back in the 80s when I was... <laughs> I was growing up. I was on Come On Kids. It was one of the shows that was on that. So, And it was essentially it was about these two kids who lived with their dad who was the vet at the Melbourne Zoo. And okay. it was the adventures of them at the zoo. And it was it was great. I mean, I used to love it. So I went went to YouTube and found an episode of the zoo family. So I watched that and it was all good. And then I was reading IMDb about all the actors in it because the guy who plays the dad is awesome. I want him as my dad. And, and I found out he died in April this year. So I may be a bit sad. Oh. Yeah, so Dennis Mitchell. Spoiler. <laughs> no relation? No. <laughs> That's his character in the, oh, in okay. the show. And there was a douchey friend. Like, he was, a, he was a knob in the show, and he was always a knob in it. I always hated him, but I loved the show. And, yep, so I read about the zoo family, and you're reading about all the different actors and stuff like that, and then it popped up. Oh, this other actor was also in Pugwall, which... <laughs> It was another Australian kids show from about a few years after. So I was like, oh, YouTube, they're all there. So I started watching Pugwall episodes, which Pugwall is terrible. Summer. Well, that was a sequel season. Yes. And then from that, and then just in my searching Australian kids TV from the 80s, I got onto Henderson Kids. So I started watching an episode of the Henderson Kids. So Now, there's a, a few famous people, or they started off in the Henderson Kids and then became famous. Didn't they? Is well, it Justine Clark's in the Henderson Kids? No, she was in Professor Poopsnagel's Things okay. <laughs> Which I never watched, but now I'm going to add it to my list. Justine Clark, no. Simone Buchanan and all that were in Secret Valley. Okay. No, but Henderson Kids was Kylie Minogue. Okay. Which I got to because she was actually in an episode of the Zoo Family, because I was looking for a whole episode, but there was a little clip of Kylie on the Zoo Family, which then took me to Henderson Kids because she was on that. Ben Mendelsohn was in it. Nadine Garner. Oh, I was going to say Anne Hesh, but no, that's not her. But anyone who was in Neighbours pretty much was in oh, okay. Henderson Kids. Alex Pence? He was in Henderson Kids too, oh, okay. which I didn't get to. Um, yes, yeah, so he made his start in Henderson Kids too. Nicholas Seedy played the uncle. So Rebecca Gibney was on it. Uh, who's who of Australian talent? Pretty much. And I just... Nostalgia for me. As I, I sort of remember it was a Saturday night thing like 6.30 or something and I'd love to watch it and I thought it was sort of a mini series but the episode I watched was like episode 18 so it was actually quite long so that's where that little age difference between you and me comes in because that sort of time on a weekend I'd either be watching Countdown or Sweet and Sour Sweet and Sour was a weekday I was watching that <laughs> well Countdown was always the weekends though wasn't it yeah well you had the repeat on the Saturday and the new episode on the Sunday yeah but when you don't have 24 hour music TV like you do now you'd want to watch the music you only had countdown or sounds yes on a set day yes I mean there was oh, didn't bash up on Scossy <laughs> the SPS one yeah. oh this is terrible isn't it <laughs> yeah <laughs> enough about uh, nostalgia now, so yeah that, that's sort of what I did <laughs> Now, you, you talked about finding TV shows on YouTube. Before we were recording tonight, you dug up something that's possibly my new favourite YouTube TV show. Well, it's not YouTube, it's a real well, TV show. Yeah, it just happens to be there. All um, the clips are on YouTube. Well, a new, show, show, a, new show, a new show just started called Tim and Eric's Bedtime Stories. So we had to wait for my wife to get home before we could start recording. So it's like, oh, I'll just put this on. It goes for 11 minutes. And it was strange. Very funny, but very strange. Yes. Well, you did say that the reviews had said you either get it or you don't. Yeah. And we after the first couple of seconds, I thought, yeah, I get this. 
It was just that strange sort of sense of humour. But yeah, very funny. So from that, we went, well, they had a show years ago called Tim and Eric's Awesome Show. Good job. So I went to YouTube while we were there and I looked up and there were like literally one and a half minute to four minute sketches. And we just basically watched about 20 of them. (laughs) And they were, I think, hilarious. They were. But yeah, not for everyone again, but it's just strange. So maybe not watch all of it at once. But if you watch as a TV show, it would definitely be... And if you're a fan of crappy infomercials, I think you're like the Cinco product. Yes. Because I certainly did. Yeah, Tim and Eric. So catch in next month and um, see how much we've watched since now. You did mention before, but how good is YouTube? The fact that you can just jump on there and just watch anything. The Zoo Family, Henderson Kids. (laughs) I'm going to be looking for Professor Poop Snaggle Steam Zeppelin. It's funny because before I came over here tonight, my wife was actually watching like an episode of Q&A through the ABC iView app through the Xbox as well. Was someone actually watching? Just Q&A. Yeah, apparently. I thought it's just where you arrogantly Twitter it (laughs) and you don't actually listen to what people are saying just so you can see your Twitter handle come up on the bottom of it. Well, my wife doesn't have a Twitter account, so she's out of that group. Then what's she watching it for? If you can't arrogantly (laughs) see your post at the bottom, there's no point watching it. I don't get it. Hmm. But Fuck just, you, Q&A. Just the fact <laughs> Screw that, you, you know, she she actually said it herself. She's like, you know, who'd have thought 10 years ago that you could have TV at a click of a finger where you could just watch whatever you wanted to watch when you wanted to watch? Well, we did. We used to go to the, your cupboard and get the video that you taped out <laughs> and play it. But, yeah, it, it's funny because I know one of the movie challenges we did last year, I had one of the movies on DVD and I thought, well, instead of me going through the collection and digging it up on DVD, it's easier just to bloody download the thing and watch it again. That's because you're lazy. because <laughs> <laughs> I'm lazy, but also it's just the wonders of technology. But, but it, I mean, I, I have been, I think I'm getting a little bit older because mm-hmm. I find on a Monday night now, because I don't watch TV when it happens, like it happens sometime Monday, I know, but I go and watch Media Watcher, the ABC <laughs> or the iView catch up. Because yeah. I can't watch it when it happens. I'll have to... I'll get it later. Yeah. But I do, I'm watching weird ABC stuff. Not Q&A, though. Fuck you, Twitter peoples. It's funny, though, because we, we are breeding a new generation of kids that don't understand that, you know, cartoons were only on Saturday mornings. And if you missed it when it was on because you were out riding your bike or whatever, you could never see it again. Yep. Yeah. But now, whatever they want, when they want. And, you know, they can watch things that their mum doesn't like, like Yo Gabba Gabba. But we all do. Yes. Anyway, enough of TV. Let's move into movies. Movies. Have you had any movies I this month? I don't think so. You asked me the question to put in a run sheet, and I can't remember one, so we'll say no. All right. Well, I've, I've had a couple of movies other than the ones we've watched for our topic this month. One of them I know you've definitely seen, and that's Tom Cruise's latest film, The Edge of Tomorrow. Yep. And I'm not going to go spoilers, because it is on Foxhole On Demand at the moment. It's just come out on DVD, so there is probably some people that haven't seen it, and I would recommend seeing it. I recommend it too. It's very good. Yeah. There, I didn't know a lot going into it, and I think the trailers that we originally saw sort of this time last year, leading into when it was being released, didn't really give it away anything at that stage. Good. The trailer now is a little bit different to the original one. It, I really enjoyed it. It made me want to play Gears of War. There was bits mm-hmm. of it that just, the way the, the aliens looked and stuff like that, I was like, oh, it just makes me want to yeah, play some Horde mode. Mm-hmm. But it's funny because uh, I previously mentioned, I think, when I saw Oblivion, that I didn't think I liked Tom Cruise, but now I've realised that I actually do like most of the stuff that he's done recently. No, he's a good actor. You know, forget what he's like as a person or whatever, but he's a good actor. I'm not going to take that away from him. And without spoiling too much of the movie, I liked the, the start of the film. He wasn't likeable. No. He wasn't super-duper rock star, 
you know, everyone loves me sort of thing. He was, you know, a bit of a shit person. Yep. And you get to like him as the movie goes along. But mm. I'm not going to go any further into that. deliberate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. But I'd say, yeah, definitely. If you haven't seen Edge of Tomorrow, I highly recommend it. Something else that my wife and I decided we'd watch because we'd heard mixed reviews of it. Oh, that's, that's what I look for in a movie. Oh, mixed reviews. That's by the way. Yeah. <laughs> but we decided that we would watch Cloud Atlas. That's and Wachowski's? Yes. It's a very strange film. It's an ensemble cast acting out different timelines as different characters. But it's Tom Hanks, Halle Berry. Uh, I can't think of the guy's name now. Tim Tim Broadbent? Was it Jim Broadbent? Jim Broadbent. And a couple of other semi-famous actors acting out, yeah, different storylines as different timelines that kind of all intertwine with each other. Bits of it were incredibly violent, and I wasn't really expecting that. And there was one bit with Tom Hanks that I didn't get a lot out of because it was kind of, they were speaking in a weird sort of native sort of way, and I didn't like the way they were speaking but is he racist no they were, it was kind of like they were in the future but they were very backwards mm. and yeah I didn't like that particular scene but then it all tied in with other stuff and I was like well that was pretty clever and what I did like about it it's a very long film it goes for about two and a half almost three hours I think but at the end of it, they show you the credits and they show you clips of all the characters that the people have been playing. And it's like a couple of them. It was like, oh, that was Halle Berry as well. I didn't pick that sort of thing. So, yeah. Yeah. So there was a, a 70s sort of cop bit with Halle Berry and, and Keith David that was pretty cool. There was like a futuristic neo-soul bit with a couple of Asian actors who one girl had been in a couple of Korean horror films, but I didn't didn't know who she was. But yeah, I thought that bit was quite well done. It was a little bit matrixy, being the fact that he's Wachowski's. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's it was it made me think, and that's good. I like movies that make me think. And another good sign that I'm probably enjoying as a movie is the fact that I turned my iPad off while I was watching it, and I actually gave the movie my full concentration. So that's, that's pretty rare. That <laughs> it's pretty rare. You these put days. down WWE Supercard. Well, this was before I was playing oh, WWE okay. Supercard, so. Maybe it would have been different if I'd have started Supercard by that stage. Because so, that's something I do want to see, and it sounds very familiar, similar to The Fountain by Aronofsky. Oh, yeah. Which is told over 2,000 yeah. years with Hugh Jackman playing characters in yeah. different times. Well, it's, and it's, it's something I haven't seen, but it's a future podcast we're having, I think, is one of the movies that we'll tackle. Mm. Um, it's based on a book, so it's one no, of the I'm never going to read it. Yeah, so. yeah, I'd probably never read it as well, but yeah, I'd recommend it. It was, it was good, and the Jim Broadbent bits were very funny. So there was a little bit of... Bridget Jones's dad. Yeah, he's been lots of... He was in Harry Potter as well, wasn't he? He's like... I think so. One of those English actors that just turns up in Mm -hmm. almost every English movie. But yeah, um, it was something that was... was, Yeah, it was intriguing enough and it made me think. And by the end of it, I was like, yeah, I think I enjoyed that. The next film I watched was something that while I was watching it, all I could think of was, my God, Mitch would hate this movie. (laughs) And that's the movie Frank. Frank, which is a dude with a... Polystyrene head. Yeah. Yeah, it's the uh, Michael Fassbender mm-hmm. wearing a polystyrene head for pretty much 99% of the movie. It's a co-production between an Irish film company and some company in America. And it's this sort of hipster band that has Frank as the lead singer. And it's based on an English comedian from the 80s called Frank Sidebottom, which was just a character of this dude with a polystyrene head or a paper mache head. But yeah, they're in a hipster band and their their keyboardist gets up and leaves one day and this aspiring musician just happens to be there while the keyboard's trying, keyboardist is trying to drown himself in the ocean and he's like, oh, 
I can play keyboards sort of thing. And they turn around and go, well, you know, meet us at the gig tonight and you can join the band. And it just goes from there. And they're recording a new album and he puts clips of it on YouTube and starts to get a bit of a following. And they go over to South by Southwest and kind of everything falls to shit after that. But it was probably the most pretentious hipster movie I've seen <laughs> in a long time. And the music that they were playing was, again the most pretentious hipster arcade music fire exactly no. <laughs> while they were playing it I kept thinking oh this reminds me of Arcade Fire but um, Maggie Gyllenhaal was the Make bass it. player in the band no. I think she got her cans out at one stage I mm. can't really remember they weren't that impressive Vespem don't get his member out no he didn't no. but he kept his polystyrene head on most of the time <laughs> okay. so yeah um, I'd heard a lot of reviews about this and like, a few people rave about it but I don't know I'm glad I watched it but it, it didn't it didn't really <laughs> it didn't impress me to the point where I would watch it I was thinking about it because it looked interesting with the whole Polystone head shit but now I definitely don't want to there was bits of it that had that very much sort of English Irish sense of humour okay. and I got a lot out of those bits but there was other bits of it that it was kind of like this movie's just because so I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Napoleon Dynamite's probably a hipster movie now, but I fucking love that movie. So <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, it, it definitely wasn't a, a laugh a minute like Napoleon Dynamite. There was some very funny scenes. There's a lot it. of people would argue with us that there's yeah. no laughs at all in Napoleon Dynamite. I find it funny, but, but yeah. yes. But yes. And the other movie I watched this month was Hercules Reborn. The sequel is, to the Rock movie. Well, it's an asylum version of the Rock ah, movie. Is that was Morrison from yes, WWE. That's ah. the main reason I watched it is because John Morrison was on the Talk Is Jericho podcast and he was talking up the new Lucha Underground, which is a new wrestling show that's going to be on in the states. And he happened to mention that he'd be keen to get into more acting after he did this Hercules movie. So I thought, well, hang on a minute, maybe I'll give this a go. And for an asylum film, it was actually pretty good. Okay. It was more to the Greek mythology side of Hercules than the Rock's version was. Yep. There was a hell of a lot of blood in it. It was quite a violent movie in a couple of pieces. But like CG blood? Yeah, I think it was CG blood. But it was just John Morrison running around powerbobbing dudes and doing his parkour (laughs) stuff and kind of of cool. Well, that's weird because the Asylum's made a lot of shit, like Transmorphers and all these sort of movies. Yeah. And... I was watching them ironically like a hipster for a while because it was like, oh, this is fun. These are quirky. These are really terrible, but I'm going to watch them anyway. Like the day the earth stopped, uh, War of the Worlds 2, you know, they did all these races. Well, that's what I was going to say. I love Death Race. The original Death Race 2000 by Roger Corman was fantastic. Yeah. Then they were remaking it. It's like, well, that's funny because there's an irony to Death Race 2000. It's all about media and government using violence to dissuade people from seeing what the government doing and they get all you know all this element to death race 2000 made in 1976 or whatever it was going off and they remake it's like perfect it's like rollerball when they remake rollerball it's like now this is a perfect time to remake and they take out everything that's subversive yeah and make the wrong movie if anything death race when they remade it with jason statham it's like a computer game but there was never a computer game attached to it yeah. And it was just, you've lost everything that made the original movie cool. There's a bunch of prisoners racing for people's yeah. entertainment. It's like, oh, okay. Gladiatorial combat, I guess. Modern with cars. Cars are cool. Yeah. But, but yeah, it was just a bit shit. And I ended up watching the next two, the, the sequels, straight to video sequels of uh, Death Race yeah. with Luke Goss in it. And they're okay. actually pretty good. Like, I, I, I think I liked them a little bit better. Yeah. The Asylum made one called Death Races with... 
the reason I sort of, well, I was excited because it was a death race movie, plus it had Violent Jay and Shaggy Two Dope from the Insane Sam Posse in it. And Raven's in it as well, isn't it? Yeah, he's a big bat. And it's actually closer in tone and feel to the original Death Race 2000. It's not a great film by any stretch, but they at least tried. And I was actually talking to a friend on the weekend about this when there's bad movies out there, and this is what your Sharknado's and all that. They're actually Sharknado 2. Yeah. Is is purposely a bad film. Yeah. Because people know it as this bad movie. And it's like, well, at least the person who made Death Races tried, I think, to make a good film. I don't know what your your Hercules was like, but did they try? There was bits of it. It was funny because I... I'm probably about 20 minutes in before you see Hercules. There's a lot of build-up. And I was sitting there going, hang on, have I got the wrong movie here? Is this the John Morrison one or not? And then I had to go and look at the IMDb, and I was like, yep, definitely is Hercules Reborn. And when John Morrison turned up, the movie did pick up the pace a little bit. It was a bit slow before that. But once he turns up and you get into a few like big group fight scenes and stuff, it is quite a good story yeah well there's one there's a Thor movie they did at the same time and it's got Kevin Nash from wrestling as Odin so I was tempted but then I saw I think I did download it and I flicked through and it looked really dull just by flicking through seeing bits so I was like oh maybe I can't sit through this but I do respect that for at least trying to make a good film the thing with Roger Coleman he moves to make cheap films but he never lost money yeah but they tried to make good movies they never went out to make a piece of shit you know I don't think this this is a piece of shit I think they they spent a bit of money yeah definitely and, the, and that's where I think Asylum can do something if they stop doing Transmorphers and stop doing yeah. parody. Make a good film. You've yeah. got people there with talent. I mean, to be a director, I mean, before, films cost money. Like, as I said, Roger Corman made movies, but they were movies. So yeah. you need a director. I mean, Scorsese, I think, started with that. Um, James Cameron started with him. So there's a lot of people cut their teeth in a Roger Corman yeah. film. Where's the, I don't think a Scorsese is going to come out of Asylum or a Sharknado because... It's so easy to make a film now. All you need is the iPhone and exactly. as an editing suite. And, and if you, you watch can put a movie like together. Birdemic, you don't even need a lot of money for CGI. No. And, <laughs> and, and it's shit. And you're never going to come out. Where, but yet they made a sequel. An ironic sequel. Yeah, exactly. So uh, yeah, I, I, I would rather they go out and have it actually have a go. Mm. Instead of just trying to cash in on what's in and... You can see that they did spend a bit of money on the movie. Like, the sets looked really good. And listening to John Morrison on the podcast, he was saying they went to Morocco and they filmed in, like, ancient buildings to make it look that they were in ancient Greece. Maybe they're going to moor it ever now. But he said also on the podcast they didn't have a lot of time with the movie. It was basically fly in, film this fight scene, film this scene, then get out. There wasn't enough time to really... You know, choreograph the the fight scenes all that well, but John Morrison's a wrestler. He knows how to choreograph a fight yep. scene. He just went in there and threw dudes around for a little bit, and the fight scenes were good. There was good tension in the story. I would put it on a par with The Rock's Hercules. Really? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I'd, you watch it for yourself and see what you think. But yeah. I, I enjoyed it. Okay. So yeah. But anyway. no, that's movies. All right. So let, let's continue our movies and let's jump into our topic for the month, being the fact that it will be Halloween very soon. By the time this episode comes out, it'll only be a few days away. So we decided that we could go full on horror and talk about horror movies for Halloween, but everyone does that. We will be a little bit more specific and we will go vampire movies for Halloween. And Joe wanted to watch all the Twilight films Again. and I nixed it. <laughs> <laughs> we've got them all on DVD at home because my wife's got them so we could have watched the Twilight movies if we wanted to but no we decided that we would go 
almost right back to the very first vampire movie ever made. I thought they were the first, but you found out it wasn't. I think there was a couple earlier than this. I think there was a 1913 movie actually just called Vampire. But we went back to 1922. And one of the most famous vampire movies. Mm. Probably the earliest critical success vampire movie. Which was Nosferatu. Which you're reading, it's like the Dracula story, but it's about this Count Count Orlok and all this sort of stuff. And it's sort of like, oh, and then found out reading the trivia on it. It's actually, they wanted to make Bram Stoker's Dracula. But they couldn't get the rights. So it was all back... <laughs> even back in 1922, they had these issues. It was yeah. like, no, you can't have the rights to make the movie. All right, I'll just change some names and make it anyway. Yeah. And that that's what it was, so... And I've seen Bram Stoker's Dracula, but probably not for a long time. But there was a lot of bits from this that when you watch Nosferatu and then you think about Bram Stoker's, it's kind of like, oh, that's oh, how yeah. that so works. So he goes and off. It's all yeah. about a guy going to well, Transylvania. I'm not sure where Nosferatu was at. I can't remember. But they basically go to meet this Dracula or Orlok character and yep. saying, you want to buy some land in this place? And that's fine. He's going to buy some land. He's going to move to, well, was he, I think it was I think England. It was Romania or, or something, wasn't it? it was, well, that's where, yeah. Eastern Europe. And basically, Dracula slash Orlok sees a photo of the guy who's gone to visit his wife, and he falls in love with her through the photo. Yeah. And he's like, well, I want a bit of that. I'm going to buy the house next door to them Mm. so I can be closer to them. It's it's quite atmospheric. It's like it's a silent film. It's music. It's got place cards coming up and everything. At the time, it would have been quite horrific, I suppose. It, there was a couple the of atmosphere. scenes in it that I thought were really well done, though. There was there was one scene with a lot of rats, and you could tell that they had a hole cut in a board, and you could and just push see rats that they were pushing rats through the board to make these ratting. But they actually, they used to, like stop motion, yeah. where he's like, because he's loading up. He's sort of the guys watching Nosferatu load up a, a bunch of coffins and that on a cart. Yeah. And he's, like, carrying it one-handed on every shoulder. It's like, oh, that, that's well done. And then he puts himself in a coffin at another point, and they stop motion quite bad. Like they The use coffin lid about, closing. The cl- coffin yeah. lid just tick, 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 and pops on top of the coffin, locks on just top of Just the framing of some of the shots, though. There was a bit where they were bringing out the dead, and they were walking down, like, this hill in between two-story buildings down a hill. And it was a really well-framed shot. And there was another scene where the Count sort of comes in to possess the real estate agent's wife. And they use a shot of his, the shadow of his hand sort of Over reaching out and grabbing her heart. And I thought that was really clever. Like, it was, it was really good. Like, I wasn't bored. I mean, we probably played a bit of WWE Supercard. I, I was but... a little bit bored because I'm not good at reading movies. And I think I missed a couple of the, the title cards that came up to say what they were doing. And I was like, well, hang on, what, what's going on now? But that's more just that short attention span thing yeah. going on. But um, I was I was impressed by it. Like it was a you know it wasn't juvenile. It was like they really took it seriously and well, tried to it make was it a serious. Film and he was kind of scary. Like he was hovering, not hovering, but he'd sort of pop up stiff pop-up kind of thing yeah. and and you know you would be scared like if you're in 1922 you go to the movies to see this it would be i could think quite harrowing and max shrek the guy that played the count is a scary looking dude yeah I, mean, I don't know what sort of prosthetic makeup he had on and things like that it, it was in, it was definitely a different look that's yeah. for sure he didn't look normal yeah. so uh, we were i was i was quietly impressed by it which took us on to our next film yeah so the next week we decided we would watch shadow of the vampire Mm-hmm. which is a movie I'd never heard of, but you actually mentioned it, saying that you'd read about it or you'd, you'd yep, seen something. I knew about it, yep. And it's basically a movie about how they made Nosferatu and the fact that Max Schreck, the guy that actually played the Count, was a vampire in real life. Yeah, so you've got Willem Dafoe playing Max Schreck. Very well, too. And you've got... John Malkovich. John Malkovich playing the director. 
And no. he is basically, what's happened is he found a vampire to play in this movie. So it's almost the same storyline where he is in love or he likes the co-actress or the actress who plays it. And he Catherine says, McCormick, who I think I would have been in so. Braveheart, was I think the only yes, thing on right. her IMDb that I recognised. And yeah, so it's basically, you do this movie for us, you can have her at the end of the film. And you've got Eddie Izzard playing the actor in the movie. The and he's real quite estate good. Agents, yes. yep. The cinematographer gets sick. Now, I'm not sure if this plays out in parallel with when they went through the movie, they had to change cinematographers halfway through the film for whatever reason. But essentially, he got sick from a bite, I think, from Nosferatu. Yep. So he got sent away. And Carrie Elves turns up halfway through the film as an interesting awesome, and the movie just picks up a notch yeah. when he turns up it's almost like Lord Flashheart in, in Blackout <laughs> when he turns up so uh, it's a great cast it was good that we saw them a week apart so yeah. you could see scenes that they were filming that we saw the week before going oh yeah that's that scene that and they got it par- they got it really good and it's 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 a bit of a comedy, I'd say, more than anything. There was bits of it we were laughing at, but I'm not sure if we should have been laughing at no, no, I think it was. I think it was quite, not tongue-in-cheek, like, yeah. ha-ha, but it was, I think it was quite funny in the way that you had to take it. Yeah. And it was a, kind of a scary character, too, because you are you know he's a vampire. Yeah. And you, you've got, in the same way that the real Nosferatu in the first movie, he's a vampire, but you don't know. You think he's just this strange guy. Yeah. You know, the idea of the movie is he's he's just strange. This real estate guy's gone to try and help him, and he cuts himself with a knife, and he wants to eat his blood and all this sort of stuff. And you don't know what a vampire is at the time. Where what, in this one, thought- you've got actors believing this guy's a method actor because they said, "Oh, this guy is an actor from Germany. He's only going to turn up in character and yep. in costume, and you won't see him." Yeah, for the rest of, of the show, you have or well, the rest of the filming, you have to refer to him as Count Orlock. Yeah, you can't call him. Yeah, you know, so you've got all these actors oblivious to the fact that he is actually a real vampire and there is a threat there because he's he's not quite right and that was the element in the book because have you read Bram Stoker's book and he goes yeah but this is all wrong and this and that you know there's elements in there he doesn't remember and it's like can you turn people into vampires it's like I I couldn't remember if if you could you know kind of thing it's just all these elements there and so he's he's just not normal so he could snap at any moment kind of thing so there's a bit more tension going on in that element that everyone's oblivious to the fact that they're in danger and it was was quite good I I really dug it but again Again, seeing it so close together with the other one probably made it that little bit better. Yeah, I think you needed to. I think if you'd watched this... Definitely if you'd watched it without seeing Nosferatu, you wouldn't get nearly as much out of it. And if you'd seen Nosferatu but you hadn't seen it quite as recently as the week before like we did, you probably would have enjoyed it but you wouldn't have been able to go, oh, that's that scene. Yeah. Or, you know, you wouldn't have been able to pair it up as well. Quite so as much. It's a technical movie. I think it's really good. Like, it's clever in the way they've written it and what they've done to tie it in with something. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, I, I really dug it, but it's a companion piece if you can watch yeah, exactly. it too. Yeah. And the fact that it's, you know, quite good actors in Willem Dafoe and John Malkovich really helped as well. Because if these people were not good actors, you would have, wouldn't have been so engrossed in it, I think. But yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I'm glad we watched it. That was good. And the next movie we decided to watch was something that I'd seen a few times back in the 80s, back when I was in high school. And I remember it being one of my favourite vampire movies of that sort of late 80s, early 90s vampire Once revival. Once but with Jim Carrey? No. no. Oh. And we decided to watch Near Dark. Yes. Which I looked up after we mentioned it on the last month's episode. It wasn't Catherine Bigelow's first film. It was actually her second film. And a bit of trivia was that she was married to James Cameron. She married him. Yeah. After, I think. And she's pretty much got 
half the cast of Aliens in this movie. Mm-hmm. And I can remember being enjoying this film a lot when I was a teenager, sort of just coming out of high school. But watching it now, it was a lot slower paced than I remember. Well, you know, you hadn't seen things like Hercules Returns. Well, exactly. Yes. But, but yeah, I remember Bill Paxton being my favourite character in the movie when I was and younger. He and he still is. But just the other people that are in the movie that I didn't realise, you know, at the time they were nobodies. Like Adrian, how he pronounce his name? Pastar? Whatever. Who was like the main character in it that went on to be... Nathan Petrelli, I think it is, in, in Heroes. Heroes, yeah. He's Major Talbot in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. at the moment. Yeah, so, yeah, he's gone on to bigger and better things. And he was, you know, the hick farm boy that falls in love with the wrong character and end up getting bitten and turned into it's a vampire. Jason Patrick of the movie. Yes. What I thought was quite interesting, though, they never actually referred to them as vampires anywhere in the whole film, but it was very much a, a vampire movie, and it it sort of followed a lot of the vampire tropes where, you know, they caught fire if they went out in the sun, and they, they had a lot of the, the things that you traditionally associate with vampires. Blood. Yeah. Feed on blood. Yeah. But no, it was good. And, and Lance Hendrickson's always good as that sort of gravelly voice. Well, I found, always. I read some trivia about it today, and Catherine Bigelow and the producer, or the co scriptwriter, I think it was, they wanted to make a Western. Was it Eric Red? Is that his yes, name? Yes, that's yeah. right. Um, they wanted to make a Western, but it wasn't in favour at the moment, and all these other things were, and they're going, well, we're not going to get funding for a Western. Yeah. What's popular? And it's like, why don't you mash it up with something that's popular at the moment and then you can maybe get funding that way? And it's like, why don't we make a vampire western? And they go, okay. So essentially that's what it is. So you've got this hick farm boy and it's very quick to get to the plot. Like it's a slow paced film by modern comparisons, but it was pretty funky at the time. it, It jumps right into it. Basically... He meets a girl in a bar. Who's in the a bit first a, five minutes. We're yeah, she's a, a new person in town and he kind of strikes up a bit of a friendship with her. And, and she bites him. Yeah, they hang around for a while and then they're going home and then the sun's starting to come up and she gets very concerned that the sun's coming up. Mm. And he's all like, you know... What are you worried about? What are you worried about sort of thing. And as it turns out, she's a vampire and she bites him. Yeah. And so then she joins... They've got a posse, essentially. They've got like a, a, a minivan a of some... Yeah. And it's all the windows are blacked out except for one little strip that they can see through and they drive and tinfoil all over the windows and everything. And yeah, it, it's, I think it's post-Lost Boys, this movie. I think and I think it was sort of made yeah, the, I think it's a couple of years after the Lost Boys. anti-Lost Boys in a way that they yeah. want to make... All right, Lost Boys made vampires look cool. And a lot of vampire movies are very, very sexy. Like, vampires are sexy. Interview with a vampire. Lost Boys. Yeah. Love at first bite. And I suppose it's all about changing, exchanging bodily fluids in a lot of ways. So it's a very sexual thing. It's not a, it's not like ripping people apart like a wolfman or anything. It's it's a bit different. It's sensual in a lot of ways. And it's appealing. You know, you're sort of like, oh, I want to be a vampire. The appeal could be there and live forever. Live, you know, have a good looking corpse for the rest of your life, you know. And this was the anti-Lost Boys in that way that the Lost Boys were all so cool they were the bad boys they dress well they partied hard and you sort of wanted to join them where this was sort of like eh, it's not that cool yeah they were having fun like bill paxton was having a ball yeah but life sucked yeah exactly you know they um, were traveling in this you know shitty van moving from town to town pretty much killing people moving on before they had a chance to get found out yeah and they were like this little family sort of unit with 
like Lance, Lance Hendrickson being the, the patriarch and his girlfriend who we found out was the actress who played Velasquez in yep. Aliens, Aliens and I did not recognise her until I looked at the IMDb. Yeah. Yeah. And, and not Hispanic. No. No. Jewish, I think she was. Yes. Uh, but yeah, it's like them two, Bill Paxton and like a, a young kid vampire. And it's weird because you don't see a lot of kid vampires in movies and I know in Interview with a the Vampire they make a big deal about the fact yep. that he turns Kirsten Dunst and it's like, oh, she's just a kid, you shouldn't have done it, sort yeah. of thing. And there's a couple of lines in the movie where they kind of treat him like a kid and he's like, you know, I'm 300 years old, I'm not a kid, mm. sort of thing. But there, there's a few scenes in it that are quite iconic and they use like the, special the effects, effects are really good. It, it costs like $5 million and it looks great for a $5 million movie. Yeah. But yeah, there's that one scene near the end where the bullet holes come through the, the wall of the motel sort of thing and the sunlight starting to come through the bullet holes. And but even just the way it's filmed. Is the really scene where the, young, the kid vampire is running in the sun. Yep. And he's on fire, and it looks fantastic still. Like, I don't yeah. know how they did it. Like, it's obviously matte, matted over the top, but it looks great. And they explode. Yeah. They explode beautifully when they when they die. But it, it's a fun film. It builds up quite well. It's got Tim Tomlinson in it, who's... Or T- Thompson? Tomlinson? Who's um, Doll Man and from Trances. So yep. he's sort of... That was the 80s era of Asylum films, where they'd go off and try and make their own yeah. cheap, iconic movies but it just had a coolness about it it's got the 80s cool it's sort of like yeah and the one thing i really not sure about it though is the soundtrack was done by tangerine dream yeah we and just sort of wonder it kind about of that didn't fit the movie all that well i suppose you could compare it to like a john carpenter sort of film like you yep. look and feel and it had a very similar to a john carpenter sort of score so i guess i wouldn't query it if it was a john carpenter movie with that score yeah, but the fact that it it is like a western, yet it's got this electronic score to it. Yeah, it, it didn't quite gel. It, it very much dated it to the eighties. Definitely. Where if it was a more you know yeah, so a, a standard score, sort of country and western guitar twangy, it would you could put it. In, you could tell me it was a nineties film, and I probably would believe you. Yeah, it's just the hairstyles might be the only thing that would sort of dated in that way but apart from that it still looks and feels really good the pacing like you said is a bit a bit slow it was a bit slow and there was that one scene in the bar which I remember being quite action packed when I watched it when I was younger and watching it again now it was kind of like well obviously things have just evolved more because it was very much a slow burn scene but I think it's a it's a very deliberately paced scene as yeah, well yeah for sure it's, 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 and it's very good like I, again I'd recommend this film a lot if you haven't seen it it's, it's a very good representation of vampire films and if you're our age, you probably would recognise the cover of the video because it was one of those things that always stood out in the video yes. shops when I was a kid as well. And it, yeah, I mean, we were discussed it last week, looking at the cover, going, "Would you think it was a vampire movie?" It's like, no, no, it's definitely a horror film, but you wouldn't say it was a vampire movie going no. on the cover. It's, it's, yeah, but yeah, I mean, for any number of reasons, watch it for the, you know, Catherine Bigelow's direction. Watch it for Bill Paxton's performance. I mean, there's plenty in it to watch it for. Yeah, I enjoyed it, and I'm glad I rewatched it. I don't know if I'd be rushing out to rewatch it again in a hurry, but I'm glad I watched it because it has been quite a few years since I did mm. watch it. And we were going to watch Let the Right One In to finish this off, but unfortunately none of us could get the subtitles to work. Yeah, that's the uh, the trouble with being getting movies through other means rather than going out and buying the DVD is I could get it to work, but I couldn't get the subtitles to work when I was trying to stream it through the Xbox. And my Swedish is very bad. <laughs> I only know a couple of words because my time at Ikea. 
Doesn't Billy mean no bookshelf? I'm sure it does. <laughs> but yeah, so we decided to forego on Let the Right One In. It's probably something that if I can get a, a proper copy of it, I would go back to it because I have heard such good things about it. Yep. But instead of watching that, I decided to go with the vampire theme and watch Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. And I probably, 20 minutes in, I texted you saying it's... Not as bad as I thought it would be. And then after that, the movie just went totally to shit. The end yeah, was Because I sent a text back saying, good. we'll agree to disagree on that one. <laughs> yeah. At the start, I thought was quite well done. But then once it got into the whole political side of things and the oh, Civil yeah, I War... I was more being, intrigued with the political side than the vampire thing, to be I honest. I don't know. I thought you could tell that it was made to be a 3D movie. Because mm. there was like one scene where they were having fight with one of the vampires in a horse stampede sort of thing, and there was horses flying around and flying at the screen. And I thought, yeah, well, this is meant to be three D. Yeah, I, I luckily enough didn't pay to see this movie. I, I went to the the premiere screening of it because <laughs> a friend of mine does reviews, so I was his plus one. I'm glad I didn't pay. I had to pay for parking though, so that was a bit expensive. Yeah. I mean, it, it was based off uh, one of those ironic books they bought out with like Jane Austen. Yeah, the, Sense and Sensibility and, and Sea Monsters, Monsters and, and that sort of line. Yeah, yeah. so it, it was sort of came out of that. And it's a funky idea. And unfortunately, they, they tried to make a serious film yeah. of, a, of a, a very unserious subject. It was hard. Like, I, I admire them for trying, but it just didn't have the right tone. It just failed somewhere. And I don't know if it could have been hokier, or it could have been more horror, or just a better script or something. It just it just wasn't yeah, good. Yeah, it lacked something. I think lacking credible actors was probably a big thing. Like, Rufus Sewell was probably the only name actor in the mm. movie, wasn't he? But, yeah, I don't know. There are bits of it, as I said, the start of it I kind of enjoyed, but then as it went further along and they brought in the whole, the South Army and the Civil War were all run by vampires and the North was trying to stop the vampires moving in, I didn't like that bit. And I, just, I think that, if we knew American history, it might have been even closer, might have been cleverer. Maybe, but I don't know. There's certain elements there that might have gone, oh, that's witty, but I don't know it enough, I guess. But Lincoln didn't have a silly voice like he does in the, uh, the new version, so maybe it wasn't historically accurate. I mean, I did like the fact that he was tall and long and he had the reach and the use the axe. I mean, the idea was awesome, but you'd think you could have that little bit of fun with it. Yeah. You know, maybe a Ron Perlman 10 years ago would have been a perfect actor hey, for it. And so I, I don't know what could have made it right. It just didn't. Something was missing. Yeah. I think a good script. Probably. But yes. That was that was our vampire movies. Our vampire probably, weekend. It was our vampire weekend. <laughs> it's probably not a great one to end on. We probably should have just given up and only watched the three. So you're probably lucky you didn't rewatch Abraham Lincoln. I wouldn't have. <laughs> no. Could come over and watch Twilight. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> no, no. So yes. That will lead us nicely into Halloween. Which we're not doing anything for. Well, we're not personally, but my kids will be out trick-or-treating. Yeah. Someone in our neighbourhood does a, a bit of a, a drop-off in the in the local letterboxes and puts a balloon and a little note saying, we're doing trick-or-treating, your kids are welcome to come along, and if you want them to come to your house, tie this balloon on your letterbox. And Halloween's a Friday night. Well, you should you? trick someone and put a balloon on someone else's letterbox. Yeah, That's yeah, a trick. Yeah. Like my 80-year-old Greek neighbour will go and tie it. But, yeah. but my seven-year-old's decided he wants to dress up as Darth Maul. Uh-huh. And I sort of said, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. And then my wife sort of said, well... you got to shave your head. Yeah, if, if you want to do the makeup for him and sit him down for an hour and paint his face, go right ahead. So I think we're looking at a different costume now. <laughs> You're going as a ghost. <laughs> and my four-year-old's decided he wants to go as a zookeeper. So <laughs> For the village people? <laughs> yeah, from the village people. So his idea of a zookeeper... He's 
he's got a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles t-shirt that's kind of got the, the, the half shell and a belt and Raphael's sort of... Is it Raphael that's got the size? Yeah. But anyway, yes. He, he's got that, a pair of green cargo shorts and a, and a sort of pith helmet and that's his idea of being a zookeeper. So he's going to be a scary zookeeper and I don't know what my older boy's going to be now. Last yes. year when they did it, they were Batman and Superman. So maybe we can uh, convince them that they need to be superheroes again. I'll let them go with what they want. Yeah. Well, we're going to have it at work, so oh, one day, so I'm going to see what I can come up with. Mm. So I don't know. It's like it's weird. Halloween's not a real big thing in Australia. No, but it's get, it's getting bigger. It's getting there, and the fact that this is organised and kids will only come to the houses that have got the letterboxes, so you you're not getting kids come into your house when you're unprepared, and the fact that we've got kids that are out doing. Oh, it I mean, I, I've. Because it is getting bigger now, and people are doing it. And we've had when we first moved into this place twelve years ago, mm. these three girls came and knocked on the door, trick or treating, no costumes, just plastic bags, asking yeah. for lollies, basically. It's like mm. so. At least now people are going to an effort. <laughs> yeah. But we got caught out by not having anything, so it was like now we do, and we've bought lollies, and no one's t- lollies candy for Americans, but lollies here. We've bought lollies, and no one's turned up. So it's sort of like it's kind of handy because we'll have a we have a barbecue for Cup Day, which is like a few days after. Yeah. So all that lollies that don't get used get yeah, used exactly. for the barbecue for the next few days so it's no big deal but it is getting bigger I mean I looked at the catalogues today for like Kmart or Target or something and there were like the front page was Halloween costumes for adults yeah. and for kids so yeah. so it is becoming a thing that it wasn't five years ago definitely not ten years ago so. yeah I know when I was a kid Halloween meant nothing to kids in Australia it was but something you saw on American TV yeah that was it and you watched Charlie Brown and the Giant Pumpkin mm-hmm. yeah so I actually dig the, the fact that it's a thing because it's a fun thing like it means nothing to me like Christmas means nothing to me in the religious sense yeah but Halloween is like dressing up girls dressed in study costumes bring it on that's, see that's something that only just came out in recent years as well isn't it the whole slutty costume 10 years things. ago I suppose yeah I, I was listening to something the other day and they said that they think the idea of the slutty costumes came from mums that want to get in on the action going out with their kids doing trick or treating dressing up to maybe impress some of the dads that are out <laughs> trick or treating with their kids so that could be a theory I don't know but I don't care how it started. I'm just glad it did. <laughs> I mean, one of my favourite lines was from an episode of Castle. It was a Halloween yeah. episode. And they go into a... It's almost like a... Oh, I think it's like a like tattoo an shop, an adult yeah. shop. And they're going, oh, have you got your Halloween costume? And he's going through. It's like, here, look, slutty nurse, slutty doctor, slutty slut. And it's getting that way. I mean, I saw a gif. Like, it was just these little animated gifs online the other day and it was like the evolution of the costume a three-year-old in a b outfit then a 12-year-old version of the b outfit then a 15-year-old version and then like the adult version and it's like this <laughs> mini skirt high, high stripey things and then it was the same thing for nurses yeah. and yeah i was just like yeah that's just they just get sluttier as you get older pretty much the same amount of costuming or material yeah, exactly. goes into the costume but yes all right on that note, that's probably a good place to wrap it up again if you have feedback for the show you can find us on facebook we are facebook.com slash the massive attack podcast look for our website at themapodcast.podbean.com we're on stitcher itunes all the usual places and until next month so thank you for listening and we'll see you next time
basically, 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 basically. No, fuck it. Look at me.